You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have Jay Horowitz joining the program. For those of you who aren't aware, Jay joined the Mets in 1980 to work public relations and held a position uh, in PR until 2019, heading the operations. Now he has a new podcast he's discussing with us on the show today, so it is a great conversation with him. Before we get into it, though, for those of you who aren't aware, I am your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Very excited to welcome on this guest to Locked On Mets, Jay Horowitz, longtime PR guy for the Mets. If you are a Mets fan like me, you know who Jay Horowitz is. He has stories for days, and he's telling them now on his own podcast, Amazing Conversations. His latest one I just watched this morning with Doc Gooden. A uh, great show. You can find that on the New York Mets YouTube channel. You can also find it wherever you get podcasts. I want to start there, Jay. What's it been like to become a podcaster like me? What's it like to well, have these conversations? It's, it's different. And we, you know, originally it was called Amazing, Amazing and Mets Alumni Conversation, something like that. We wanted to change it a little because I wanted to branch out and do some other things. You know, we had a good conversation with Doc. I go back to Doc for almost 40 years, you know, and and like I was able to do Sarah Lang's, yeah. Uh, we did the people who produced the Willie Mays documentary, so I wanted to, you know, Vita who helps me with with, with the uh, podcast suggested changing the name, which was great. This way, we know it doesn't have to be strict alumni. You'd be, you know, people like we we did. I did Phil Sims a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's just to try and right, and I like to have people have something in common with you know, I don't laugh, don't do it by notes. I you know did stories like yesterday I did something with Davy Johnson it'll be down the road. It was just reminiscing about the first time we met and you know with stuff that happened in the eighty six World Series. So I worked with you know when I switched jobs in two thousand nineteen and to take over the alumni, I worked with all these guys. I've I've been here it's my forty third year with the Mets. So, you know I started April 1st, 1980, so I, I really work with most everybody I've spoken to. It's been great. I really enjoy it. That's amazing. You know, and I, I think that you know, personally as a Mets fan, it's, it's really great that even though, you know, there's been some change in ownership and coaches and players, like there is still that consistency that's been there with a lot of the people that are in the organization. I know I wanted to ask you a little bit about Keith getting his new deal with SNY. Yeah. To see them as, as a booth get to pass, you know, Kiner, Nelson, and Murphy. You know, personally, I'm 27 so they've been together you know, 18 years now my entire childhood has been colored by you know those guys in the booth on the tv side and howie on the radio so it's great to see them stick around it's great to see that continuity that does exist in the mets organization yeah with tv they each of the guys bring a different thing you know gary's kind of like the quarterback in the, cl- the club 
Ronnie does the, the pitching. Keith does, you know, he'll admit he's sometimes a comical relief, which he plays the part, but he's a baseball aficionado. And, you know, what, what makes it great is that Ronnie and Keith were, were teammates. So they were together on the 86 team. And Gary, you know, came on in, uh, in, in, in 1987. So they've known each other for a long time. They're friends, you know. That's what I love about my job, Ronnie. I'm dealing with people who are friends, and you can go to them and stuff that you need them for. And I'm glad the Bruce stayed together because they were good mixed together. And you know, Howie Rose is one of my favorite people. He's one of my biggest backers when I switched over to do the alumni stuff. Howie was, hey, it'll be fine. It'll be land something. I was a little sure when I switched jobs in uh, 19, but Howie has a great, as, as does Gary. You know, look, I was appreciated for the alumni. And, and Gary, I mean, Howie really. Push me to do what he's really been supportive of everything I've done. That's that's amazing. I, I think it has been really. Um, I'm not sure how much it's been, you know, what you've done or, or, or just in general with the organization under Cohen, but it seems like the last couple of years, we really have seen an embrace in Mets history in a way that as a fan, it's been amazing. I was there for Keith Hernandez getting the jersey retired, you know, Kuzman, the statue of Seaver. We're seeing now Gary Cohen and how he get into the Mets Hall of Fame. So, how has it been like from your end to just see? That embrace of Matt's history by the fans and by the great. organization. Oh, the first thing that Steve said when he came on board was, I want to do an alumni game, an old Tyrus Day game. And we couldn't do it because of COVID. And we did it last year. And, and he let us run with it. You know, we 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 did it a first class thing. We gave each of the guys a ring for coming back, a couple of nights in a hotel, goodie bags, uh, you know, meals, plane fare for their families. And I think, you know, we, it was a perfect scenario. I mean, you had 68 guys come back. The weather was great. The team was playing great at the time. We hadn't done it in 28 years. We capped off the ceremony by retiring Willie Mays' number, which was my favorite player growing up. So everything worked out great. You know, we couldn't couldn't be any better. I mean, it's good to get support support from ownership. Absolutely. Is, is the uh, old timers' day gonna gonna stay? Is there another one this year? Or well, is it- this is what the thing is. You know, I've got a lot of calls. It's hard to recreate the buzz we did. I'm hoping, you know, to bring guys back and doing each. Before COVID, we brought a guy to back. We have the ambassador program. We have, you know, Mike Piazza, Todd Zia, Mookie, and Tim Tuffle. They commit for home stand, post pictures. We hope to have a presence with that. And, you know, on, J- on June 3rd, you know, at Lighter and, and, and Hojo and Gary and Howie going into the, uh, into the, uh, uh, into the, what do you call it, to the Mexico Hall of Fame. It's not going to be as spectacular as did last year. I think it's hard to do that so soon. You know, that's yeah. the, uh, hopefully in the near future we can do it again, though. Uh, that would be amazing. It, it was a lot of fun to watch for sure. We will have more of my conversation with Jay Horowitz in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the midway point in the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three points drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Personally, I have my eyes already on MLB Futures. And the one I will tell you you have to bet on it's Kodai Sanga to win Rookie of the Year at plus 750. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment matter more. 
by visiting FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, I wanted to go back a little bit to your time, you know, working in PR in the beginning. You know, I know you told a great story. I was wondering if you could tell it here as well about uh, spilling some orange juice on Frank Cashin. Yeah, that was my uh, – I had accepted – this is in winter of 1980. Yeah. I had accepted a job to be a stat guy with Tony Kubek and Joe Garaggio on NBC. And a couple of days, probably a month after I accepted – no, a couple of weeks later, I got a call It said this is uh, – Jim Nagurri from the Mets. We have a new ownership coming in. We like to talk to you about the PR job. I thought it was a friend of mine named Harold Levine. I hung, I hung up on the guy. Later in the day, I found out it was a legitimate call. So I said, listen, I called the guy back. I apologized. I said, Jim, can I come down? Can I still interview? He flew me down to St. Petersburg. You know, people who know me, I don't have, I have a lousy sense of direction. So I went to the wrong hotel. I was late. I was supposed to go to the hill and I went to the Edgewood. I ran, took a cab across town, and then when I got to the hotel, to the Edgewood, to the Hilton Hotel, Frank Cash was sitting in the in the in the breakfast room in his little white tennis shorts. I reached over, knocked over the humongous container of orange juice in his lap. He asked me one or two questions. I mumbled my way through that and I went in the airport. I remember calling my late mom. I said, Mom, there's no way I got this effort job. And, Four or three years later, I'm still here. So it's what it is. That's unbelievable. And to, to go from that and, and just a short time later, the Mets are world champions in 86. What was it like kind of seeing that, that team really develop with a lot of homegrown guys and just, you know, being you know, involved with the players for all those years to see that I, culmination? Yeah, and I'm probably closer to the 86 team, and not because we won, but because, you know, I was just out of college and the guys embraced me, like guys like Keith and Mookie and, you know, Doc and Straw became friends, and we went through a lot. That you had a little on and off the field, some troubles, drew us all closer. And and the way we won games, we we had Mike Tyson come and visit us that year because he liked the way we played. Ray Knight knocked out Eric Davis at third base in one game. We had fights. We had off the field stuff. You know, I mean, I'll never forget. You know, everybody talks about game game six of the World Series, but. In Houston, we had to fight 16 innings, innings to get to the World Series, and we come back from five to three, two outs, two strikes in the bottom of the to win the game. There's a lot of great memories, and I can't believe it was 14, you know, 37 years since we won the series, and uh, it's, it's a lot of great memories. And we, what made that team closer? I was closer in age. I wasn't, you know, an old guy like I am now, and, and the guys embraced me and they took me under their wing and it made me feel part of the team. And I think you can you can see that closeness in your conversation with Doc. So again, I encourage everyone to check out that conversation you had with him. Yeah, it was it was really a, a good stuff. Again, you can find it on the Mets YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Amazing conversations. Uh, personally, you know, I I was born in '95, so my first and I kind of grew up on Mike Piazza and then David Wright, Jose Reyes, Beltran. That was really the team where I became kind of an educated Mets fan. The 2016. Uh, would you have any memories of how that team kind of came together and those personalities, David Wright, and I guess before that, Cliff Floyd, but then the, the Beltran Delgado years? That was, you know, Omar Manai does a lot of credit when he came on board. He he wanted to, uh, you know, at that point, I think Omar's first, he was 05, or I forget, 05, 04. 
it's like recruiting your first all American. So he got, I'm probably gonna get the year screwed up. He, he recruits Pedro to come here from Boston. Then we signed Beltron. We trade for Delgado, um, you know, and we, we ate we, we piece of the guys like, uh, like Julio Franco, Paul LaDuca, you know, and, and David came up. I mean, it's unfortunate you know that year you know and i'm i'm a i'm a big carlos beltran supporter um he's probably a lot of mets fans like yourself might remember him for game seven against wainwright bases loaded third strike we lose but if you look at his career probably the best seven years any position player ever had you know and yeah that fortunate that's a one memory david wright i always say it is is a good a player he was he's a hundred times better person he started a chat foundation when he was a young kid. Never turned away an autograph. Uh, always had time for the, you know, for the, for the fans, um, you know. And unfortunately, he just just turned forty now. He should be still playing now, except for his injuries. And you know, no offense, to Scott Rowland, who got into the Hall of Fame. You know, David Wright could have been Scott Rowland, and some people think he might have been, been better than Scott Rowland. He was on the track to Cooper's to have, but you know, David's well adjusted now. He's Got three young kids. He goes out in California with his wife Molly. But we had we had a, that that talented group. We came close. I think we lost twice on the last day of the season to the Marlins. Uh, and you know we did we just in the in, in no six thing. I think one regret I have from that year is that Willie Randolph never got another job. If you look at his yeah. record, he's got a winning percentage of five thirty six. You know how different would it have been? At Beltran would have got a single to right field and we would have won the game, you know, but it didn't happen. But no, it was great. I've been fortunate enough, right, in my years here. I never really had an argument with a player. Uh, I, I, my whole philosophy was to treat the 25th guy like the number one guy, you know, to, to take care of not just the all star guys and, you know, have a trust with the, with the players. Like they, when a PR guy loses the trust in the locker room, he's a dead man. So I never wanted to portray myself as a suit. I wanted to be one of the guys. I never was afraid to laugh at myself, to be the butt of practical jokes. And it got me three through 38 years of being a PR guy with the Mets in a pretty big market. That's, that's, it's an amazing resume, and it's, it's it, amazing memories for a lot of us. And I'm actually curious, since you mentioned you know, treating the 25th guy like the first guy, <laughs> who are some of kind of the great 25th guys that you develop relationships with that maybe we don't necessarily remember much, but actually had big personalities that we didn't uh, always get to see? Vance Wilson. Okay. Uh, Petcher, uh, um, you, know, you, know, you know, Joe McEwing, going back to 86, Danny Heap, uh, an outfielder. Uh, and I'm going to slice some guys. Uh, uh, catcher R- Ramon Castro. I'll tell you a funny story about him. When Cliff Floyd was, I have a big head. I have a size eight and three quarter head. And Ramon Castro has a big head. So one day Cliff Floyd decided to me and Ramon to go into the training room, and he would measure the heads. And I, my head weighed thirteen point eight pounds. And his weight, thirteen point four pounds. So those are one of my fine memories. But those just a few. I'm sure I'm gonna, you know, slight slight guys, uh, guys at back in the bullpen, guys like you know Doug Six Sisk, a pitcher in the '86 team, um, a guy like Sid Fernandez who was overlooked with the good and the darling pitching staff. So those are just this. Uh, yeah, just trying relationship to. That's what I was really proud of the old timers they game. 
we, we had 68 guys coming here. Very few said no. They couldn't come because of injury, you know, uh, or, or, or illness. But I, I was really proud that when I called, they picked her phone. They came another guy, Butch Husky, as a guy, Memphis, remember, he, you know, a guy like Rico Bronia, uh, not an all-star, but an all-star guy. Those are some of the guys who I've remained friends with through the years. Absolutely. It is It is interesting when, when I watch the game, like some of the names that I think people would not realize you know, get the cheer. Like Benny Agbayani will always right. get the biggest cheer among Mets fans, uh, even though. You know why? You know why? Because in, in, in the game against the Giants in in, uh, in uh, May 2000, he caught a ball in left field, thought it was the third out of the inning, threw the ball to a kid in the stand. When he realized it was it was a third, he got the ball back, and the next year, Finney, he found the same kid and gave him the ball. That's Benny uh, That's 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 great. The the, the great moments of Mets history that uh, we don't always get to see. So I'm glad to, right. to hear you have shine light on some of them on your on your new show, Amazing Conversations. Who do you have uh, coming up here? Uh, you, you got you got some more big guests lined up over yes, the coming I, weeks. I'm going to go down to spring training. The guys I want to do down here. I'm going to do something with Buck. Not talk about baseball. Talk about personal stuff. Big Alabama football fan. I'm going to do something with David Wright's going to be down there for a couple of days. I want to do something with two of the coaches, Jeremy Jeremy Hefner, who was a player when I was here, and Dom Cheat. You know what Dom Cheaty's claim to fame is? No. His father, Harry Cheater, in 1962, was traded for himself. He was a Met catcher. He was traded to Cleveland. Cleveland sent it back to the Mets. Is he like one of the two or three guys in baseball history who was actually traded for himself as a player to be named later? Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to do something with Howie Rose and maybe one or two other guys. And we have, uh, I'm going to do, I have, we have Bill Pulsifer, um, you know, former number one pick. And Bill is, you know, sp- Bill was c- taken by depression at the end of his career. And he, he's one of the advocates of speaking about that. And um, we have, you know, I'm going to be the PR guy for Team Israel in the WBC. Okay. And I interviewed Ian Kinsler, the manager of uh, Team Israel, and Ty Kelly, who played for the Mets, is on Team Israel. So just trying to mix it up a little bit, some different personalities involved in there. Well, that's going to be amazing. All you guys can check that out. Again, amazing conversations. The episodes drop on YouTube, New York Mets channel, and wherever you get your podcast. Jay, thank you so much for My pleasure. on me today. My pleasure. I'll see you around City Field next year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It'd be great to see you in person. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jay Horowitz. On tomorrow's show, we're going to begin our setting expectations series where I go through the projections for players on the Mets and then give my own take on what I expect from this player. And since it's a Friday Farm Report, we are going to focus in on Francisco Alvarez, who I think could be Maybe the biggest X factor in all of baseball. So we'll see what all the projection models have for him. What else he has to do to become the starting catcher of the Mets. And where I think he'll ultimately go. We'll probably also, in that same episode, look into the other catchers that the Mets had. That will be manning the position uh, in his absence to start the season. So make sure you follow, rate, and review where I get your podcasts. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for a second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to learn about everything going on in Major League Baseball. You'll follow Locked On MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever 
You get podcasts.